uh, really flows from the stories, the testimonies that have been shared by the three being baptised this morning. Uh, and so I really want to preach into that. Some amazing things that they testify that God has done in their life. Uh, and I'm thrilled by all that God has done. And I feel, I feel there's a prophetic sense in what their story represents uh, that I really want to preach into this morning. Uh, but before I get to that, I just want to share a few things about my recent trip to Lagos in Nigeria. And numbers of you knew I was going there a few weeks ago. I've now returned. Uh, as you've noticed, we had an amazing time. I just want to give you a few highlights uh, first, to say thank you so much for your generosity. Thank you for standing with us in prayer. Uh, I took a, a whole suitcase of books and toys and school equipment uh, and mobile phones and laptops. It was all, I don't know if it was the best decision I made, but I sort of humped through security and got it all there. I want to thank you for those that gave us those things. We, uh, we, we, it was such a blessing to the church and the people there. Uh, if you don't know, if I can maybe have the, the, the next slide, uh, just a, a few things just to highlight just briefly, really. Uh, the guys on the left are the, the three, three of us that went with Sam and Mara, who's based in Lagos. Uh, so it's Richard Green from All Nations, Martin Tibbet on the right-hand side, uh, Alf Ringwood to his uh, right, and that Sam Amara sort of in the middle. Uh, across on the other one is, uh, it's amazing when you turn up dressed in something and find that everyone's wearing the same thing. <laughs> Have you ever had that experience? Slightly embarrassing, but I felt sorry for the guy on the left who didn't get a shirt, you notice. Uh, but we visited, uh, we went there for a conference called Grace Festival. It's like a center hub, if you like, of activity right across West Africa. Uh, it's amazing what God is doing, and there's a real joining of hearts with myself, uh, Richard Green, uh, and the hub, the group of churches that I lead within Catalyst. And so that's why I went there to really serve them. Uh, we had people from many nations, seven different nations, I think, were represented, many pastors, many leaders. Uh, and that day we were all given uh, uh, tops, as you can see. Bottom left, you can't, it's quite dark, but that's actually the church in Lagos and their compound. Uh, and the school that's part of the church. Uh, the one in the bottom in the middle was a, a visit. We were told we were going to go to visit a pastor, which we did. And then uh, I was told that, can you do an encouraging word to the group? Uh, and I, I looked around the room. There was about five or six of us. I thought, yeah, I thought, sure, I can find something from the Bible to encourage this five or six group of leaders. And then we said, we're going to go down to the church, thinking the church building. When we arrived at the church, building, the church had arrived. Uh, and so about 150 people all expecting me to preach to them. And I, I mustered up something. I did my best for you all. Uh, and it was great fun. And on the right-hand side, uh, we actually sponsor a number of children, a number of families here are sponsoring children over there. That's seven of the 10 kids. Uh, we couldn't find the other three, but with seven of the 10 kids uh, that we are actually sponsoring. So, that, so you may recognize, uh, uh, <laughs> we're hoping they're not going through it because we're sponsoring them to, to go to the school, aren't we? Uh, uh, that's, that's the point. Uh, <laughs> that did cross my mind, actually. <laughs> but, um, and the next one, just briefly, uh, just give you a feel for what God's doing. Okay, it was great fun. Real sense of the presence of God. Uh, God poured out his spirit amongst us wonderfully. One night, midnight, some of the 20s were praying, and the spirit fell on them as they were praying. Uh, and they, they went, then went and shared with others on the compound. And as they shared, they prayed for one another. The spirit fell on more. Uh, and it went on to about 4 o'clock in the morning uh, when one of the leaders had to say, look, guys, you've got to go to sleep. 
Uh, I want you to know that I slept through all of this, uh, but it was, it, was, it was a mark of what God was doing. And just to give you an array of what's happening on the left, uh, there's three guys, that's Mumu uh, uh, from the left, Jonathan Nathan who's in Liberia, and James from Guinea. We, we now have a, a new church which is, was connected to New Frontiers but is now connected to us particularly, so James was there. The guy at the bottom, Ramos, uh, is uh, not from a New Frontiers background, but he's come for the last few years, really knows Sam Amara well. I've, I've got to know Ramos over the last couple of years. So, so the church in Ghana, which is quite a large church, has now joined our family. Uh, and so that's very exciting. So we've got a church in Ghana, which we haven't had for a while uh, in terms of catalysts. And there's Sam and Levette the bottom, and a guy on the right, John Adon, uh, is, is in Nigeria, but he's looking to plant churches in Benin and Togo. So we have, we have a number of nations. All those arrows don't represent all of our churches, by the way. That's just a, a few of the key players, if you like. And mention, uh, Ruth mentioned about um, uh, the Christmas offering. Jonathan Nathan, the guy in the colourful shirt in the middle, uh, him and his wife, Lydia. Lydia is a nurse. She's still not getting paid. Jonathan's church cannot afford to pay for him, so they, they, are not, they don't have salaries coming in. And one of the things that we've been discussing with them is whether we can help seed fund a business. So they have, both of them are experienced in pharmacy, and so they would like to start a pharmacy business. Uh, uh, to support themselves so because the, ch the church can't afford them and Lydia works for nothing anyway. Uh, it seems a really smart way to go. So part of our Christmas offering will be going towards that this year. So I just wanted to mention. It's great, isn't it? Thank you, Thank you for that. Yeah. Right. I want to talk about fear and anxiety. I think you noticed on, on the testimonies that were shared, uh, Josh and Clarissa talked about anxiety and how that affected them and how they call out to God and found God in the midst of those moments. Uh, Mary talked about her year, talked about how she was terrified, understandably, uh, facing the operation. I love the moment uh, when clearly God spoke audibly to her and said, you are not alone. And then at the end, you may remember, she said, I've realized that Jesus has always been with me throughout my life. Uh, but this area of fear and anxiety, which came out in all three testaments in different ways, different levels, uh, this, is, uh, this is something that is, that is a topic It's good for us to talk about. I think in our society it's something that is affecting many. I'm really encouraged that it's been spoken so, so openly, uh, that, that the areas of anxiety and mental health is now being talked about. It's really great that our Members of our royal family are, are pushing that. I think, I think that's to be commended. I'm so grateful for doctors and nurses that where necessary, when we need medical help, we can turn to, to, to those that can bring expert advice. It, it, this is a big deal for our society, it seems. Uh, as I discussed with many, uh, partially you, you discover that, that that's the case. But you don't have to be a pastor to know that. You just know from your friends uh, and your family and maybe you. Maybe you, you have known moments and do know moments uh, of real fear and anxiety. It's interesting in Josh's testimony, he, he mentions a scripture from Matthew 11 when Jesus said these words, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest got great news for us today. We can come to Jesus and we can give him our burdens, our concerns, our cares. We can give him our anxiety. We can give him our fears and we can find rest with him. Hallelujah. 
Now, just maybe to open this up to show, I think, how broad this is, let me ask you a question. How many of you would say that fear and anxiety at some level has affected your life? I mean, you may want to look around just to encourage yourself that you are not alone in this. You're not alone. Thank you. Be encouraged. We've got... uh, This is a big challenge, I think, for our society, for our lives. But fear and anxiety, if we don't address it, if we don't recognise it, can rob you and me of all that God has for your life. And Jesus wonderfully and very practically and quite brilliantly, unsurprisingly, spoke about anxiety and fear. It's recorded in Matthew 6. And I'd like to go through the teaching of Jesus about this area and then apply it very practically to our lives. Because we've got good news. We've got a saviour who understands. A saviour who says, come to me. But also a saviour gives instruction for us in this important area. So the, the words will be on the screen. I, I want to go from Matthew 6, verse 25, through eventually to verse 33. Let's just pray together, shall we, before we read that. Jesus, we thank you so much for these amazing stories. Uh, and they're stories of individuals, but they're also stories of you. They're stories of you working in men and women's hearts. We thank you for Mary. We thank you for Clarissa. We thank you for Josh. We thank you in the midst of their fears and anxiety. You were there and you rescued them. You took upon yourself their burden and they found rest in you. Lord, I thank you, Jesus, that you teach on this subject, that you were not and are not surprised by our challenges today in a very confused, busy, hectic Western world that seemingly... Anxiety and fears and worries is now a problem across the board. So God, we look to you this morning and we thank you that you are our answer. And we say, Lord, would you do a work in us as we look at your word together? And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Matthew 6 verse 25 says this, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Let's just stop there for a minute. Now sadly, as we know, for some people the examples of food and even clothing are genuine challenges. We partner with the Bedford Food Bank Every Thursday, we're a distribution centre and we have numbers of people, numbers of families that we help and we provide, as I say, in partnership with the food bank in Bedford. And so for some people, the the practical example that Jesus is mentioning of food and then clothing are real challenges for people. But probably for most, the vast majority in this room, you'll be saying, to be honest, I'm not worried about where my food's coming from. Most of us are probably in that category. It may be for you, but for most, this isn't specific a food or even a clothing question. You see, Jesus isn't trying to hone in on a specific. He's trying to make a, 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 a point about where we put our priority in life. See, this is about our priority in life. Because Jesus is saying that this is how fear and anxiety work. He's saying, be careful how you value certain things. Because the more we put a value on something, the more it will rule and reign your life. And if we hold too tightly on something, 
something that shouldn't be held so tightly on, then fear and anxiety can come into your life because you're holding on to something that you're not supposed to hold on in that fashion. It could be for food, it could be for clothing, it could be for your future, it could be for your health, it could be for a whole variety of things. So Jesus isn't just talking about food and clothing, he's talking about where are you putting your priorities. Now let's unpack this a bit, might, might help, I hope it does. Let's, uh, let's give some examples that maybe are more familiar to all of us. Let's think about money. Let's think about money. Let's think, that's a song, isn't it? Let's think about money, isn't it? Yes. Thank you. Okay, fine. I realize you said yes and you weren't sure whether it was, but I just, just my dad being encouraging. Why are you not encouraging? Come on here. It is a song. Let's think about money, money. I'm talking about money, money. Okay. See, money's important. Now, don't worry. We've had the collection. We've had the offering. We're not going to go back on that. Okay. So we're talking about money. Uh, now, uh, it's okay. You know, we've all got rent to pay or mortgages to pay. We've got to provide food. We've, we've got to provide for our ones close to us. You may be saving or even providing for kids in university. Boy, I know how expensive that is. Maybe you're saving or you've purchased a car. They're all important. Money is important. But if you and I make money too important, then fear and anxiety around money will mark your life. Let me explain. I See, when things increase in value, they seem to matter more to us. Have you noticed? So I used to have a Ford Galaxy. Yeah, some of you may remember it. Probably most of you haven't. Uh, but I had a Ford, blue Ford Galaxy. We'd had it for uh, all the years of our kids growing up. Uh, it had done 198,000 miles. I would, my, my, only, my only sense of loss or disappointment is that I never went over the 200, you know? <laughs> if only. It would have been a better story, wouldn't it? I went over 200,000, but I didn't. 198,000 miles. I loved that car. It had scratches all over it, most of them by my kids as they dragged school bags and spades and the rest of it. But, you know, it just added to its character. It was wonderful. We even one year, one time we were going in Lurk Street Car Park and we had a roof box that we put on the top of the galaxy. Now the galaxy if you don't know is quite a high, high, and if you put a roof box on top, it's even higher. And so we're going up, Dawn's driving. No, actually, she wasn't driving. I was driving, my wife, she wasn't. Dawn was next to me, and I'm driving and I completely forgot. And so I go into Lurk Street Car Park and crunch and into and, and, and it's the thing, and we actually get caught underneath. Uh, and so I can't, I mean, I thought, let's go through. I couldn't go, I couldn't get in. So I thought, oh, I'll, I'll reverse out. It will be okay. Uh, and so I reversed out. And as I reversed out, my roof box came down my windscreen, uh, <laughs> scraping all the way down. Just adds to the character of the card, isn't it? Yeah, you see my point. Now, a couple of years ago, I got a new car. I got a new car. Thank you. Uh, and I'm still trying to pay for it, but I've got a new car. And, uh, and the first week, I made a little nick on the bumper. Now, I haven't told Dawn this, okay? <laughs> I really haven't. 
and, and she's coming to the next service. So what's happening now will happen again, and she'll be sat there. But just so please pray for me for that. But, but, but honestly, I, I, I just nicked it just, on, just, just by, the, by the... And I was so cross. So cross. It didn't give character. It just gave a mark, you know. Okay. If you put your money into something, if you hold on to money, if you put value in something which you're not supposed to cling on to, it makes a mark in us. I've worried more about marking my new car than I ever did of my galaxy. But we can apply that into so many different areas. Do you understand? Now, that's an easy one, okay? How about this one for a difficult one? Let's think about children. Let's think about children. Now, children are a gift from God. We have two amazing daughters who are now grown up and uh, married and beginning to build their own lives. Now, God didn't owe me anything by giving us children. They're a gift. You understand? They're some that God gave to us. And we are so, so thrilled. Now, God also gave to Dawn and I the responsibility for providing for them, for caring for them, to shaping and to leading them. But I can not protect them and never could ultimately from a very dark world around them. There's nothing I could do or even can do now as a father to protect them from all what is dark in the world, even if I tried. Even if I became what used to be called a helicopter parent. Have you ever heard that phrase? They just hover everywhere. Yeah, yeah, because they, because they love their kids, but they hover and they drive their kids balmy because they're always there. And what parents sometimes forget is your job is to raise them up to become adults, not to hover over their life and worry over their life in a way that you will never protect them from everything anyway. But if we hold too tight on something that we shouldn't hold too tight on, then... This is when we get into fear and anxiety that Jesus is trying to illustrate to us. So if we exalt them too much, fear and anxiety will take a hold. It will consume us and it will rob you and I of enjoying our children. I met some friends only last week, not part of this church, uh, and you could tell that they were... They love their kids. But I said to the, the, the wife, you know, one day you're preparing them to go and her face just dying. And it just said, you know, the sense of, I don't, I don't want them to go. I said, but that's what you're supposed to do. And there was something, you know, that there was a holding on that, that I think Jesus is trying to illustrate. And this is what Jesus wants us to consider. Verse 26. It says this. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them, and, you not, and are you not of more value than they? Jesus, look at the birds. Now, I, I, uh, I like bird watching, actually. As the kids grew up, I, I, I used to go walking with the family, and um, 
Uh, and uh, I would walk 10 yards ahead of everyone so I could, because my kids made a lot of noise, you know, and they disturbed all the lovely birds. So, so, so I'm, I'm pleased that Jesus is encouraging bird watching here. So, he said, so look at the birds. That's just a minor point that I wanted to draw out of that, which really isn't what Jesus is driving at. Okay. Okay. Have you, but firstly, he's saying that birds work hard. So, so when he, Jesus is, is saying, do not fear and do, be, do not be anxious, he's not saying don't be concerned and don't, don't work hard. He's not saying, oh, we can just let God take on everything. Yeah, it's God's responsibility. We go, the pendulum swings, and we're right over here saying, well, I'm not going to, you know, my kids, well, just trust in the Lord. You know, that's good. But you know, you see what I mean? He's, think of the birds. The birds work hard. They're, they're, they're early morning, they're early risers, aren't they? And so, so birds are not lazy. Uh, and they're feeding and working. They're building. But if God provides for the birds, he's saying, who are far less value than you and I, then will he not take care of you? That's the point he's trying to make. So we're to work hard but we're to trust him. Verse 27 says this, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? None of us. In fact, you get lots of stories of people through stress and anxiety actually shorten their life. Verse 28, And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Jesus is illustrating how, reminds them how they would burn a furnace to make something like bread, uh, and he, but he lands it by saying how much more you are valued. And Jesus says, if the Lord is so detailed and careful about the lilies of the field, how they are arrayed in splendor, such splendor that they will put Solomon to shame, how much more does Jesus value you? So he's trying to build on a subject here. He's saying, don't be anxious. But the reason I need to be anxious is because you are valued by your Father, by your Father in heaven. And then when it's all said and done, he then lands it in the crux of the matter. I'll read it again. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is alive and tomorrow is sown into fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. See, the weapon we have, and the weapon we've been given to fight fear and anxiety, is faith. It's trusting in God. Trusting in a God who is good. Trusting in a God who will not let us down. A God who is ultimately reigning and ruling over my life and your life. Now this topic isn't outside the realm of my experience. So I'm not standing here preaching at you in a way of saying, live your life like this. When I am also someone 
that does and has and continues at times to battle with fear and anxiety. I remember taking my daughter Esther when she was uh, two, I think, or less than two, when she'd fallen down the stairs. We didn't know how far she'd fallen. She starts to throw up. We thought she's probably got a head injury. Uh, and so we took her down to the hospital. I'm stood there. I'm holding her uh, on the x-ray table as she's screaming, and we're thinking, what's this x-ray going to look like? I know some of you had worse experiences than that. Thankfully, she was fine. I also know personally, and many of you, I guess you've been around here for a few years, might know some of this, but four years ago I had a heart bypass uh, which went wrong, uh, and they had to redo my heart bypass, re- to cut, you know, cut me open twice. Uh, they then did me stomach, stomach surgery because they were concerned about that. In fact, I've got a scar from there to there, you'll be pleased to know. In fact, if you look from a distance, it looks like I've got a really smart six-pack. But, but, <laughs> but you have to be quite a long way away, actually. But, but I, 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 they thought, or I thought I'd had a stroke because I couldn't sit up. Uh, I used to lean over it in my, my seat uh, and uh, I remember being in bed in the hospital thinking, uh, is my heart damaged? Have I had a stroke? Am I ever going to recover? What does my life look like? Will I be able to do my job? Uh, and all of those things. I remember when Dawn used to come in to see me, I just used to, uh, I just used to ask to hold her hand. I was terrified. I mean, our fear and anxiety had gripped me like I'd never known it before. I was worried about myself. I was worried about whether the kids, uh, if, if it didn't go well, whether the kids would lose their faith in God. Uh, so the one that I love, I'm thinking, well, what, what's the effect it's going to have on them? I'm thinking, well, Dawn, is Dawn going to be all right? You can imagine some of the things that was going through my mind. But you know, one of the merciful things that God did to me during those times is he revealed to me that all the control I have in my life is just an illusion. That, that is a song from the 80s, actually. <laughs> but it's just an illusion. And, you know, that's been the, 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 the most precious gift that God has given me through that experience is that I was never in control anyway. And like Mary was able to say, I realize Jesus has been with me for the whole of my life. That's why I'm where I am. It was never through my own effort. And so Jesus says, oh, you of little faith, trust in me. Because actually it's always been me. And even now when I worry about Brexit or I worry about going multi-site, how's that going to work? Do you know, God takes me back to this moment. He says, Mark, do you remember I told you that you were never in control anyway? Oh, yeah, you're right. And, you know, in a, every time I do that process, it goes. It's like, of course, I know nothing anyway. So don't worry about Brexit, for example. I mean, I know it's important. You know, remember the birds, they work hard. But let's put it in perspective. Jesus is king over my life and your life. 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You know, that's a bit of a cliche verse. Yeah, we can, we can say the verse and think, ah, see, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to us. But I know stories and you know stories and we read stories of Christians that actually they've sought the kingdom of God 
And actually, they haven't had food. And they haven't lived well. And in fact, they may have been persecuted for their faith. And it's not ended well. So how do we reconcile when Jesus says a statement can become a bit glib for us? How do we reconcile that with real life? Do you understand? You thought it was all going to get better and better, but it gets harder, doesn't it? Seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. See, this, has got, this is to do with what I would probably call posturing, or it's to do with adopting a position or where we're put in our priority. This is about where you, what you value highest and therefore seek first. Because every fear and anxiety you currently walk in, whether it's legitimate or whether it's something that you, your mind just gets you on, still, it's still real, I'm not saying it's not real, but you know, sometimes we can fear something that we know is not logical, but it's still a fear. I'm not, so something's the legitimate and also those maybe that are more unfounded, in the end, all of them will seem tiny in 20,000 years. 20,000 years from now, when you are with the king of glory, looking back from, from all that you now see, any fear and worry will seem tiny if you can remember it at all. In the glory that we will know standing with God. Or let's put it another way. When we seek the kingdom of God, we receive God. You will not use God for bread. You will get God and he will be enough. Do you hear me? So all your life may not become perfect. But if you're seeking the kingdom of God, God will be enough. So Jesus says, do not worry. Do not be anxious, but seek my kingdom. Seek me and I will be enough. You know, even sometimes your fear and anxiety will lead you into more of him. In fact, Jesus often works that way. In fact, there may be and there probably are people here today that wouldn't say I'm a Christian, yet they wouldn't say I've made that decision of faith. But actually the fears and anxieties that you're living with, Jesus is saying, look, don't, don't preoccupy, preoccupy yourself on that. But he wants to use those fears, those anxieties, say, look, turn to me. Seek first my kingdom. Seek salvation in me. Seek your hope in me. Verse 34, he says this. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. That's a great line, isn't it? If you focus on fears about tomorrow then you don't have any capacity to enjoy today. How many people do you know, do I know, that are so preoccupied about fears of tomorrow that joy has been ripped from their life? Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Enjoy today. And finally, verse 34, Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. In other words, NIV says, today has enough trouble on its own. I said at the beginning, I referenced a verse that Josh in the video uh, talked about, Matthew 11. And that's really why I want to land this. I tell you, can we have the band up, please? I'm a little pressed of time, but I thought, blow it, let's have the band up. <laughs> so it's too important. We're going to run over, folks, just to say. Sorry. I, I, just, I just don't want to not 
land this. Because you know when we all put our hands up? Hello? Thank you. Okay, just many of us put our hands up knowing that this is a living challenge for us today. So if you did that thinking, actually, there's things I'm worried about today. I'm worried about my kids, my future. I'm worried about money. Maybe worried about food. Then Jesus says, seek first my kingdom. Come to me. Cast your burden on my shoulders. Allow your gaze to move away from holding tightly on what actually shouldn't be held on tightly, but hold tight on me. Matthew 11 says this, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest.